Welcome to Team Pete's Talks, a podcast series brought to you by the National Association of Pediatric Nurse Practitioners, NAPNAP, featuring experts and stakeholders addressing key issues in pediatric health. Throughout 2023, NAPNAP is celebrating our 50th anniversary and our place in history as the first National Nurse Practitioner Society. As part of our anniversary celebration themed 50 Forward, we are thrilled to share this new Team Peds Talks podcast series, 50 Forward, Forging Our Future. Join us as we look back at some highlights of our profession and as we look forward to the future of pediatric nurse practitioners. This special series is hosted by myself, Dr. Jessica Peck. I am a clinical professor of nursing at Baylor University, past president of NAPNAP, and mom of four. And I am joined by my amazing co-host, Dr. Tedra Smith. Tedra, introduce yourself. I am delighted to be here. I'm Dr. Tedra Smith, a certified pediatric nurse practitioner. I'm an associate professor at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. I am a mom of two, and I'm delighted to be a part of our series. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Welcome to another episode of Team Peds Talks. We are in our special anniversary series, 50 Forward, Forging Our Future. And today we are talking about the future of school-based healthcare. We have got two amazing guests lined up for you. We have a seasoned leader and a rising star. So I am so looking forward to this book-ended advice here. First up, we have Anna, Dr. Anna Goddard. She is a pediatrician pediatric clinical leader and policy influencer for school-based health center care. Dr. Goddard, I am a fangirl of her, by the way. She paved the way to define trauma-informed care in nursing. We can talk trauma-informed care forever. She has nationally recognized QI efforts in school-based health centers. She has publications. She has book chapters. She has national presentations and leading collaboratives to improve school-based health, health center quality outcomes. She also was just named as a new fellow in the American Association of Nurse Practitioners. Congratulations, Dr. Goddard. She got her PhD from Vanderbilt, her master's of science from Yale, her bachelor's from Westminster. And right now she's the managing director of medical services and quality improvement at Child and Family Agency. Second, we have Jessica, another Jessica on this show. We'll call you uh, Jess for for the episode, Jessica Francois. Jessica currently works as a school health consultant through Children's Hospital Colorado. She serves three schools from elementary through high school. She's the legislative chair for the Colorado Association of School Nurses. She is the pedi- in the pediatric primary care DNP program at Rush and will graduate in five more clinicals, she told us, in April of 2023. She is passionate about school health and enjoys using her voice to improve outcomes for patients and families, and that is what she is going to do today. Tidra, get us kicked off in this amazing conversation. Uh, Thank you, Anna and Jess, for being our special guest today. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today on school-based healthcare centers. And so I have our first question, Our school-based health centers have offered invaluable care to children in a convenient, safe environment for over 40 years. When I was doing my research, I thought, wow, these centers have been around quite some time. These centers remove the barriers related to transportation, 
and costs that have traditionally impacted underserved communities. A collaborative model here is being utilized and includes interprofessional teams, primary care services, and in some schools, even mental health care. For our listeners that may not be familiar with school-based health centers, can you begin our conversation by describing or elaborating on some of the characteristics of a school-based health center? And Anna, would you mind answering that question for us to kick us off? Sure, sure, I'd love to, Tendra. Thank you so much. Um, So school-based health centers have been around for a long time and they've evolved over the years. Um, Currently, like the national um, landscape for school-based health centers really fall into four main categories. Um, And the one that we talk about the most is the more traditional school-based health center that's at a fixed location at the school. It's run as an outpatient primary care um, medical site with a medical license. Um, And it normally um, has a medical provider, oftentimes as a nurse practitioner, pediatric or family nurse practitioner, a behavioral health clinician, um, and then sometimes a dental provider. And the three of them um, work together to service that school-based health center as that's the more traditional model. Um, And it's more, more across the country, the last century, that we did, there was more than 80% in falling into that model. But we also see, especially post-COVID, but right before COVID, we were seeing three other models. Um, and one is referred to the school-linked center. And that's when a school-based health center is located at a fixed site near the school, but it might not be inside the school. So you might have a school-linked center that's um, for one district, and then three different schools are able to utilize that center. And then we're also seeing a lot of mobile centers that exist on or near the school premises um, for the students in a district. And then, of course, um, I think we can talk a whole nother podcast Jessica on the telehealth services and how now telehealth school-based health center models are really filling that gap with rural areas um, and just in sometimes in high needs districts that only have funding for one school-based health center, they might use telehealth to have one provider one place, but then be able to telehealth and serve a lot of different schools in that same location. Well, that's super exciting to hear about. And we know that since COVID, the role of schools has been in the spotlight. I mean, even before COVID, as nurses, of course, we know the importance that healthcare plays and that healthcare plays a major role in schools. But since COVID and when we lost that safety net, I'm seeing that even more. And we know that we need nurses in school. So just talk to us about the school nurse's office. How do nurses in the school setting collaborate with others on the healthcare team? What has been your experience? Thank you, Jessica. So school nurses really help identify and intervene for students who have health concerns. Having a school-based health center as part of a school model really helps to coordinate care for that patient and student. And schools have a variety of models regarding who is serving students, just like there's a variety of models of school-based health centers. You know, many students have access to a unlicensed assistive personnel or a UAP. So often the person who the student is seeing in the school setting is, is a health aide. And school nurses, depending on the state that you live in, Uh, really serve often thousands of students across uh, many different schools like myself. Uh, 
So like I said, there's not a school nurse in every school. And that's really an important message to get out there because we need more school nurses in schools. The National Association of School Nurses and even the AAP recommends that students have access to a school nurse every single day. So that's something that I'm very passionate about. And school nurses are really an integral piece of the team that helps bridge that that um, you know education to the to healthcare, you know, and make sure that students are able to be in school um, and ready to learn. So the school nurse and the health office have limited capacity. You know, we want to help as much as we can, um, but we we are not a clinic. So having a school-based health center really helps provide that comprehensive care and brings care uh, directly to the family and the community where kids spend most of their time. You know, when I was in, in uh, graduate school, I did one of my clinicals in a school-based health center. That was my first experience with that. And it was amazing to me. And actually at the time, it was funded by one of the big health centers here in Houston, because when they did a cost analysis, they found that it was less expensive for them to fund a school-based health center with a nurse practitioner, an LVN, a social worker and an in-house pharmacy than it was to take care of those patients through the emergency room. And even when you're talking about having a nurse in every school, even if we do, my goodness, I have so much admiration for school nurses because they could be caring for more than a thousand kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is mind boggling to think of the superpowers that they have. And speaking of superpowers, uh, Anna, you have superpowers as a leader in school-based health centers, especially in Connecticut and nationally. What do you think about the importance of school-based health centers complementing the nurse's office and having NPs in the, in the, on the healthcare team to help those nurses? Yeah, thanks, Jessica. And thanks, Jess. You really highlighted a lot of the differences that we usually have to explain to a lot of our uh, community and districts, um, especially if they're new to school-based health centers. Um, the school nurse is act an actual critical linchpin to school health in all of in every school in the country. And we really need a school nurse at every location. Some schools across the country still don't have a school nurse in their building, let alone a school-based health center. Um, but the school-based health center and the school nurse role um, are very different. Um, and the school nurse is irreplaceable from the school-based health center. The school-based health center really complements that school nurse role because the school nurse is in the school monitoring students and um, they're doing all of your mental health screen. They're doing a lot of mental health screening. They're triaging all day long. They're responding to medical emergencies. They're promoting that healthy behaviors and the different health maintenance that are required, um, like reviewing vaccinations and doing vision and hearing screens and things like that. Whereas the school-based health center, similar to what you said, um, is when you would prefer to have a higher level of care and be able to do the physical exam, the wellness exam, the acute, the acute visit, but also to keep all of those kids out of the ER. A lot of times when the school nurse doesn't have a school-based health center to immediately refer to in the school, um, what that school nurse either needs to do is refer out to the community provider, which might they, the, the student may or may not go to, or they get sent to the ER. So there's a lot of studies that have been done on ROI or return on investment in school-based health centers 
Um, and the amount of dollars for the taxpayers that it saves by not utilizing um, the local emergency room or even um, outpa or, um, outpatient walking clinics is huge. I mean, cost estimates over a half million to a million dollars a year for one school-based health center. Um, but I can't emphasize enough that that school nurse is really the partner with the school-based health center. Um, and your school nurse works so collaboratively, collaboratively with the providers in the school-based health center, we couldn't do it without them. Thanks for highlighting that, Anna. I have so many stories of calling 911 when I did not want to, but I felt like I didn't have another resource. And that is that what that was the next level of care because we didn't have a school-based health center and the kid didn't have a primary care provider. So thanks for highlighting like how important that is and what a cost-saving measure it is for society. Oh, of course. And I'm sure you've seen that as your work, Jess, as a school nurse. Um, the example I like to kind of explain to people a lot of times is, you know, a kid with asthma might come into the school nurse's office and the school nurse has, you know, full scope of practice to be able to assess that child and be able to say they're wheezing and their O2 stat is just a little too low to remain in school. They're de-statting. Um, if they don't have an order for a nebulizer right there in the school nurse's office, they can send them to the school based health center, they can have that assessment if they need a higher level of care or a nebulizer treatment or medication treatment, they can receive that. And oftentimes, more than 98%, the student can go back to class um, after that school-based health center visit, whereas otherwise, you know, Jess or the school nurse would have to send them to the community pediatrician um, where they may or may not get in in the next 15 minutes to an hour, or they will have to go to the ER for that care that could have just been done right there. And then and the student isn't missing school and classroom instruction, um, but then we're also be we are, we're also able to work together as a partner um, to teach the family about the importance of the asthma action plan and all of the follow ups and when to use your meds and hey put a med off on file for your school nurse to be able to do this next time. Um, so that's just like one example, right, of all the different acute visits that come down to the school nurse's office um, on how we work together in that care. This leads perfectly into my next question. There are great points brought up regarding comprehensive care and timely care that can be given at school-based health centers. And also Jessica's point regarding funding and the cost savings associated with school-based clinics. There's been a lot of data collected over the past 20 years or so through the School-Based Health Alliance, which is really focused on promoting high-quality care and clinical practices and standards within school-based centers. And there's a lot been documented on the significance of expanding school-based health centers. I know, Anna, you brought up the fact that some school systems don't even have school nurses and the care that's lacking in those settings. So this expansion has created access to more services during including specialty care when it's greatly needed, especially in some of these rural underserved communities. And although we continue to see a rise in school-based health centers, we have also seen a decline in funding for these centers. So Anna, what do you see as one of the greatest challenges to expanding access through school-based health centers? 
Sure. Um, I could probably name a few, but I think you just hit the nail on the head funding. Um, you need a continuous stream of funding to both the 330 programs, such as the, you know, the health center, their FQHCs, they're often named, but also to the non-330 programs, um, like private nonprofit and mental health organizations and academic universities that also are sponsoring organizations for school-based health centers. Um, because they're who's going to cover the short-term and the long-term needs for school-based health centers. Currently, school-based health centers in the U.S., the latest research has uh, put out from the School-Based Health Alliance, has said that only about 13% of school youth and 10% overall in the country have access to school-based health centers. Um, so in order to create more opportunity for that collaboration um, and long-term um, sustainability. We need funding um, to continue this. A lot of times when you have, um, a, you know, a highlight that, oh, we need to put funding in here. It's a one-time startup or it's a one-time, um, this is for the next three years. Um, but in order to sustain these services, you need continued funding for school-based health centers. Mm -hmm. I know a few years ago, um, HRSA grants, the Healthy Tomorrows, were doing a lot of funding for school-based health centers, but I've seen a decline there as well to where funding is maybe $50,000 when it used to be two or $300,000 so you could truly um, start one up. So I uh, really hate to see decrease in the area where there's such a need. Jess, would you like to add anything regarding funding or what you would see as the greatest challenge to funding for these centers? Yeah, <clears throat> thank you. Um, you know, being in the school, I often hear the conversation, I work in public schools and, you know, we don't have enough money for this, you know, we need more mental health support, but we, you know, where's the money going to come from? Um, and it's just another ask that's being added to the list of so many needs. Um, so with funding, I see getting buy-in um, from all of, you know, the, the leaders as a, as a challenge. The nurse that really led our team before me worked in the district for 25 years, and this was a huge passion of hers. We need a school-based health center. We need a school-based health center. And we just received a startup fund for $30,000 like a couple of weeks ago, and we were cheering. But obviously, this took a lot of time to get buy-in from the, the school board and the superintendent and all those people, um, you know, that have to understand the need. We get it. We're nurses. We obviously see the value in this, but unfortunately, it takes, it takes time to, to help people understand how important this is. So it took 25 years <laughs> in our district to get, to get people to understand the need. Well, yes, you know, when you just, Oh, no, go ahead, Anna, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Jess, you just kind of um, really highlighted, like we know that all the boots on the ground providers and clinicians, we know what's needed, right? Um, but this leads us into the advocacy needed, particularly around policy and legislation to consider school-based health centers as the, a very unique but very established model of healthcare delivery at this point. Um, so until policy and legislation really looks at the different obstacles for sustainability, um, and we look at third-party payer reimbursement and just the different inconsistent government support over time. Um, those are all of the challenges that, you know, Jess and I are seeing um, on the ground to sustain this work. 
Well, actually, that's what I was going to say, Anna. One of the things that I love about this conversation, and we talked about even before we recorded, is the boots on the ground across the country. I mean, you're in Connecticut, and you know the uh, listeners can't see, but I'm actually drinking coffee out of my Connecticut mug that I got from the last time I came to visit you and speak to your agency, which was fantastic. And then we've got Tidra, who is in Alabama, and I'm in Texas, and Jess is in Colorado. And these things are the same across the country. These needs of children are the same. And that is an amazing thing to me. And NAPNAP has always been a very strong supporter of school-based health centers. And in 2021, updated its position statement on school-based health care, emphasizing these are a vital component of health, the healthcare system. They endorse the delivery of comprehensive, collaborative, equitable primary health care to all children, as well as the development and implementation of national standards for school-based health care. They health centers. NAPNAP noted that they provide care in schools designated as Title I, and that creates a position to build partnerships. So, Anna, I'm going to start with you. How do we build, how do we address those challenges that you and Jess have both mentioned and build sustainable partnerships so that we can upscale this model? Um, Jessica, I love the 2021 position statement that you just referenced on school-based health centers. It's so important because they are such a vital component of care. Um, and I think that when we talk about um, the long-term of this, so school-based health centers need to continue to evolve and respond to the, all the needs of vulnerable populations out in the community. But that's something that they continued to show that they can do um, and that they have do that they have done in the past, right? Um, but now post-COVID, we're looking at the nation, the nation has more than 73 million children facing trauma and isolation and loneliness um, just from the past two years of the pandemic. Um, and so now we're going to see those mental health needs Needs, both on the school nurses side and the school-based health center side for many, many years to come. Um, and we're going to have to really think about that when we have um, funding streams and revenue coming into the school-based health centers, we are able to provide the safety net for these students um, that need our care. Um, when funding streams, for example, from the Affordable Care Act increase and were put into place, we saw an increase from 1,900 school-based health centers to more than 2,300 in four years. But then once that was cut, guess what happened? They had to start closing their doors. And then we had more and more students that didn't have this mental health safe safety net. Um, and so the position, position statement from NAPNAP definitely recognizes that and has that in there. And I hope that um, we continue to recognize that. Jess, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to go back to what uh, Anna said earlier uh, regarding policy and getting involved and advocating. And, you know, I think school nurses and pediatric nurse practitioners are in a really unique position to lead and to build relationships and to, to speak up about what we need. Um, and so really building relationships with school board members, superintendents, your families, um, but then going further, right, to like your local government and state government to, to tell your story and to tell the stories of the kids that I see in the health office that have a huge swollen hand because they were outside and fell. And like, they're like, well, I don't, I don't have insurance and I don't know where to go, right? Like tell that story about why, why it's needed. Um, 
and I have a I have a a unique story to share with that. Well, we got ARPA funding for our school-based health centers, um, and it was helped sponsored by our sole nurse in Colorado. And so, you know, building those relationships with people who are able to make those decisions, while it's only one-time funding, uh, you know, we still got it. And, you know, it's really important to, to get more funding and, and to build school-based health centers. Well, thank you for that, Jess. And, you know, we have arrived shockingly at the end of our episode and Tija is about to ask the last question. But before she does, I would say, you know, Jess, it would be really amazing to me. I probably will not be around 50 years from now, you know, because my kids think I'm ancient as it is. <laughs> but thinking how old I'll be in 50 years, but you probably will be. And thinking 50 years from now, as you're just starting your career as a PNP, wow, I wish I could see, you know, what that will be. And I hope that you will look back on this episode and see this was your starting place. And I cannot wait to see where you are going to go. It is so great to see leaders like Dr. Goddard, who have paved the way, been trailblazers, and then to see what's going to come. This episode has just made me smile and given me a lot of hope. And teacher is going to ask you a question that's going to make us all smile even more because this is the yeah. most fun part of the program. Yes, and you both brought up such great points in regards to building relationships. It's so important to, to branch out, build those relationships, and advocate. This is such an important need for our, for our younger population to have this access to care that they may not otherwise have. You brought up a good point, Jess, of, you know, many students don't have access to insurance or they have insurance, but their parents can't take the time off work to take them to care. And they could get care right there where they are when they need it. So thank you both for, for being our guests. And I do have one final question. And it's one that we've asked all of our guests. And so you may have heard it. If you were to put anything in a nap-nap time capsule to be open in 50 years, what would it be? It can be something material, something tangible, or something abstract. It's completely up to you. And Jess, I'll let you go first. Thank you. Um, I just, you know, want to say thank you. I'm so grateful to be starting out in a profession and with an organization where I feel so incredibly supported and, and be around leaders like you all. And mine is more nurse practitioners in elected positions, because that's how I think this all gets done. And I really feel that nurses, I know, not feel, know that nurses deserve a seat at the table. And I've heard this so many times before, but if they don't invite you, then bring a folding chair. Wow, Jess. So maybe even a folding chair in there too, in that time capsule. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm blown away by that answer. I love that. Um, Tedra, I'm going to give you something more tangible. Like when you asked that question, I kind of smiled because a couple of things came up in my mind, but I think in 50 years from now, just some of the pictures and snapshots from COVID-19 um, and what school nurses and school-based health centers looked like then um, and in the future. Um, and then of course, yeah, I have to put my plug for trauma-informed care. I'd love to put like an infographic of the four R's for trauma-informed care and to see where we're at with that um, in the future. Is that something that everybody knows and does? Is that just now commonplace in care? 
Well, thank you both for being a part of our Team Peace Talks special anniversary episode, 54, Forging Our Future. Thank you for discussing school-based healthcare centers with us today. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Team Peds Talks 50 Forward, Forging Our Future, brought to you by the National Association of Pediatric Nurse Practitioners. If you like this series, be sure to look for other episodes and explore our other series on pediatric health and advanced practice nursing. Visit napnap.org and click on the Team Peds Talks menu item under the Continuing Education tab. The conversations are available wherever you listen to podcasts. Search Team Peds Talks on your app, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or on anchor.fm. Please join us again next time, and thank you for listening.